The reading of God's word this morning is from book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you do not have a Bible, you can find Colossians 2 on page 983 of the Blue Pew Bible. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 5. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The word of our Lord. Go ahead and pray together again and ask God to be with us as we come to his word. Father, we are completely dependent upon you this morning to do anything good in this time. Your word says that we have been grafted into Christ, that he is the vine and we are the branches, that he gives us life and that apart from him we can do no good thing, we cannot bear any fruit apart from him. And so... We pray that we would know Him this morning. We pray that we would hear from Him this morning. We pray that Your Spirit would come now to teach us and to change us, to give to us and present to us the glory of Jesus and that we would come to know Him more and love Him more this morning as we come to know His love for us. We pray this for His glory and for the advance of His kingdom in this world. Amen. Uh, many of you will be familiar with uh, The Onion, which is an online satirical news site. I'm going to emphasize that up front because otherwise it isn't going to work if you don't know it's satire. Um, hilarious articles that uh, are ridiculously incisive, uh, uncomfortably incisive a lot of times. Here's one from this past fall. Here's the headline. Nation just wants to be safe, happy, rich, comfortable, entertained at all times. Also healthy, fulfilled, successful, and loved. And the article begins this way. In a news report released Wednesday by the Pew Research Center, Americans indicated that when it comes to what they expect from their country, all they really want is to be safe, happy, rich, comfortable, and entertained at absolutely all times. In addition, the U.S. populace reportedly wondered whether it was too much to ask that they always be healthy, fulfilled, successful, safe, loved, relaxed, inspired, motivated, worry-free, and content every second of their lives from birth until death, given that this is America, after all. (laughs) It's not that complicated. At the end of the day, all I want from America is a good job, a nice house, romantic fulfillment, beautiful sunny weather during the day, starlit skies at night, low gas prices, independence from foreign oil, free food, free health care, free media, everything free. 
said Maryland resident Lena McCarthy, adding that if it can't be free, she wants her goods cheap, manufactured right here in the U.S. of A., and wants workers paid a good wage. (laughs) We're talking about basic stuff here. I will stop at some point. We're talking about basic stuff here. I just want tasty fast food that's good for me, an excellent school district and low property taxes, a high six-figure salary, a stress-free 40-hour work week at a job where there aren't a lot of meetings, and have my weekends totally free. That one hits a little close to home, maybe. Um, What's so right about this? What's so right about this is that this is what we expect and it's what we want. It's always something more. Uh, How many times have you thought, uh, I think I have enough. I think I have enough money. I think I have enough romantic fulfillment with my spouse. I think I have enough of a nice home. Kids, how often do you think, I I have enough nice toys. I don't need any more Legos. I have enough. I have enough prestige in my job. I have enough popularity and recognition for the good work that I do. We don't ever say that. We don't ever say, I have enough. We never have enough. And that's what's so disturbing about The Onion and this article because it's hitting the nail on the head Um, We're turning to Colossians 2 this week. And and what's happening at this point of the letter and what will continue through chapter 2 is that Paul is actually going to start talking about this false teaching that the Colossians are facing. The details of this are pretty fuzzy. Plenty of ink has been spilled as to what this heresy really was. But here's, I think, the important thing for us this morning. There, There are some elements of Judaism, it looks like. They were tempted to revert back to that. But then there are these, all, these other elements that are a, a mystical sort of experience that would come down to saying this one thing. Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not enough. You need something more. That's great that He did what He did on the cross. But if you really want to know God, if you really want to experience real life, and if you really want to grow and experience change, You need to go beyond Jesus. There's something more than Jesus. That's at the heart of what this false teaching is. And this morning, with these uh, these verses we'll be looking at, there's specific reference to some kind of spiritual knowledge. If you could just get a hold of that spiritual knowledge, you'll be good. You'll have real life. You'll have what, what is real change and a real experience of God. Now, when we hear that phrase, I want to make a qualification here, that the spiritual knowledge, because when you hear that, it's likely that what you think is that what this has to do with is exclusively this realm of my religious life. It's spiritual knowledge, right? But what we've got to keep in mind here is that when the Bible speaks of wisdom or spiritual knowledge, and when Paul talks that way, specifically in Colossians, He's not talking about just the religious part of your life. He's talking about the whole of your life. It has to do with how you live in the world. What your fundamental orientation to God, to others, and to the world around you really is. It's holistic in that way. And so what he's saying here to the Colossians is, no, there's nothing more. Jesus is enough. Everything you need to know God truly 
is found in Jesus Himself. He is enough. So what is His point? His point is this. We need to know God's mystery, which is Christ, who's been revealed. Because all spiritual knowledge is found in Him. Everything. He is enough. He is sufficient. There's nothing more beyond Jesus. And we need to know that mystery that has been revealed. So, three points this morning. Surprise, surprise. Uh, The first is, to know God's mystery, we need to be encouraged in heart and united in love. If you notice here in verses 1 and 5, Paul is absent from the Colossians. He's not with them, okay? So, there's that much more of a concern uh, to make sure that they know that Jesus is enough for them. He wants to keep them from being deceived and from pursuing life in something or someone other than Jesus. Everything that we need is found in Christ. It's interesting where he begins, though. He's going to talk all about knowledge. But if you look at verse 2, he says first that he desires that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. So it's interesting that he would speak first here about being encouraged in the heart and that you would be united in love, that there's a communal aspect to this. What's his point here? Um, It's difficult to see the way these two phrases relate to one another, but I think what he's saying is that their hearts are going to be encouraged by being united in love or having been united in love. In other words, our knowledge of Christ is intimately bound up with our life together as a community. There's a a direct relationship here between these two things, our confidence in the knowledge of Christ and our life as a community together. So our union with each other actually encourages our knowledge of Christ. There's a connection between what we know about Jesus and our life together. There's an intimate relation between my grasping this knowledge and with you grasping that knowledge as well. Here's how this works, I think. Our love as a community, I think this is where Paul is going, shows to us and to others the truth of the gospel. When you think about this, about how we could talk all day about the truth of the gospel, but if that reality is not lived out in a community, it's going to be a whole lot harder to believe it, isn't it? But if you think about somebody proclaiming this message, talking about the change that Jesus brings about and His sufficiency, and then you see that lived out in a community in real life, the truth value of that or your ability to believe that skyrockets. Say, they're doing more than just talking about it here. There's actually real evidence to see something tangible of how this works out in real life so that you can look at a community and say wow, Jesus really is who He says He is. The gospel really is true. Look what it's doing in this community. It's a quote from Newbegin that gets to this. It says, The truth of the gospel is validated in the living of the community of faith. It's, it bears, bears itself out in the, community of the faith, in the community of faith so that the truth becomes real to us. Here's an example. How many times have you been struggling to believe the gospel and then you see or hear something remarkable that is done by a group of Christians or even something that happens in our midst here? The way that that bears witness to the truth of that message is huge. You might remember, this was back 2006, doesn't seem like it was that long ago, 
There was that awful shooting in an Amish community where this guy, his name was Charles Roberts, went into this schoolhouse. He asked all the boys and the teachers to leave. And he then proceeded to shoot ten Amish girls, five of whom died before he turned the gun on himself. You probably remember that happening, but what was even more incredible was the response of that Amish community. There was this overwhelming forgiveness towards him and his family. They, they publicly forgave him. They reached out to his family. They visited and comforted his widow and his family. They, they actually, uh, there, there was a report of one Amish man who held Roberts' sobbing father for the entire funeral. Thirty of the uh, members of this community attended his funeral. They set up a college fund for his kids. That is the gospel on display. That is a moving account that bears witness to the truth of what Jesus does in a community. That He is completely sufficient. That He is all we need. That He is everything. And we have stories like that here. Stories of marriages that were looking like they were done for. Without hope. People who were separated that are now together, thriving, flourishing because of the work of Jesus in their lives. There are people who have faced seemingly hopeless circumstances that have stood in the face of that hopelessness and have had hope because of what Jesus has done in them. That's what Paul's point is here. When you hear stories like this and see this lived out, it is easier to believe the gospel. There's a connection between our life together and our understanding and grasp of Jesus as this mystery of God. That's what he wants us to know. That's what he wants us to see. And the obvious implication of this is that you can't see those things firsthand if you're not integrally involved in a community of faith. If you're not fellowshipping and in relationship with the people of God, you're missing out on that encouragement. And so he's calling them and he's calling us to to be encouraged and be united in love because this is going to be one of the key ways that you can stand up to this temptation to look elsewhere. This temptation to think, Jesus really is not enough. I need more. Look around here and see that He's enough. This is one way we're going to keep from turning to these other places. Another quick point on this front is that our union with each other is not only going to encourage you and me in the way in which we would be uh, believing and trusting in the gospel, but this is actually going to be the way that others the world around us would actually come to know this knowledge of Christ as well. And this is really Jesus' point in John 13, 35. He says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. That's going to bear witness. That's going to show forth the truth of the gospel to those around us looking on. And if you think about what one of the biggest objections to Christianity would be hypocrisy, right? But think about that in reverse, though. The power, the testimony of a community that is not hypocritical, that's actually showing forth the work of Jesus in the midst of a community and how powerful that is to show forth the truth of the gospel. So big picture, what we're saying here is that community and outreach should never be separated. 
that our knowledge of Jesus is intimately bound up with our life together as a community. And one of the things that Paul's saying here is we need to be united in love in order to believe that. So knowing God's mystery requires that we would be encouraged in heart and united in love. Secondly, to know God's mystery, we need to pursue the riches of full understanding. We need to pursue the riches of full understanding. The second half of verse 2 says this. He says that what he desires, his purpose, is that we would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Um, A lot of commentators point out that Paul kind of just starts piling up these phrases and words at this point. Like he just wants to say that everything you need is in Jesus. This is what you need. The, the, The riches, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. He just wants to say it over and over again. And what he's saying is that there's a fullness of knowing Jesus that we need to pursue. There's a fullness in knowing Jesus that we need to pursue. Why would he say that? Look at verse 3. This is the the focus of this passage. We should pursue this because Christ is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything you need for your life is found in Jesus. And notice the scope of that. He says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the one who possesses all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that phrase, full assurance, could actually be translated fullness, which would say this knowledge that you're called to pursue here is all-encompassing. It's everything. Jesus is the one that we're to learn from because it is in Him that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. There's nothing more. There's nobody more. What does this mean? It means that if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. You want to know what it means to be a human, to truly flourish as a human being, look to Jesus. Do you want to know what our relationships are supposed to look like and the way that we would relate to people who are different from us? Look to Jesus. Do you want to know what real love and real compassion is? Look to Jesus. Do you want to know what wisdom looks like in navigating those difficult circumstances of life? Look to Jesus. Everything is found in Him. That's Paul's point. And this is actually a reference to Proverbs 2 that talks about the value of seeking and finding this wisdom from God. But the incredible thing about this, and there's a a whole Old Testament tradition about this, that the incredible thing is that Jesus is now wisdom personified. He is wisdom in a purpose or person. He's a living, breathing example of this wisdom. This means that Jesus knows more about your life, about your relationships, about the whole world than anyone or anything else. He is everything. All knowledge is found in Him. And so the whole of our life is wrapped up in who Jesus is and what He came to do. Everything. And if that's so... Paul's obvious implication here is that we should listen to him. So that's the why we should listen to them. I want to ask this question, how? How would we pursue this knowledge? If he's the one that possesses all of this wisdom and knowledge, where do we go to receive it? Lots of things we could say here. Maybe the most obvious place we could go is to his word. 
by giving ourselves to His Word. So Jesus says of Himself in Luke 24 that the entire Bible is about Him. Do you want to know what Jesus thinks? Do you want to know how Jesus thinks? Do you want to tap into the riches of all this wisdom and knowledge? Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. This is the place whenever we become tempted to start looking for life in our careers, in our parenting, in our success, in our appearance, in our popularity, we need to go to God's Word. We are, we're, we are reoriented to this primary source, the source of all knowledge that pertains to all of life. The Word is the place for that. And when he says here that it's in Christ, that, that this is hidden... He's not saying that this has not been revealed like we can't find it. It's hidden in that it's safe there. This is the place where all of this wisdom resides within Jesus, within Him. And now, as Paul has said in the passage that we looked at last week, this mystery has been revealed. We now have access to Jesus. So a couple real practical things to think about here. One is that Jesus, we can avail ourselves to this by reading the Word alone, pursuing the Word on our own, on a regular basis. And if you're here exploring Christianity or are new to Christianity and think this Bible feels a bit daunting to me, I don't really know where to start, go to a gospel. Go to the Gospel of John. Read a chapter a day and ask the question, what does this passage say about Jesus? That's a great way to begin down this path of mining these treasures that are ours in Christ. But we don't just need to read it alone. We need to study this Word together as well. That's one of the huge reasons that we have Sunday school classes. It's one of the huge reasons that we have Bible studies during the week is to mine the depths of this treasure of the knowledge of God as we study the Word together. So... A call to us here to not ignore this one who has all the wisdom and knowledge for the whole of our lives. It's here for the taking. He invites us in. So if all spiritual knowledge is found in Him, ignoring Him would be crazy. Trying to go about life and making sense of our lives apart from Him would be crazy. We are in our house in the prime of uh, Legos in terms of childhood development. We are at the Lego phase, and it's a good phase for sure. Everything is Legos. It's the total favorite toy at our house, specifically Star Wars Legos. And I know uh, that's the case for many homes represented in this congregation right now. Um, And these are not small sets. This is where the ages go to like ages 9 to 14, and I saw one the other day that is just 12 plus. Like you really got to know what you're doing to step into these. Uh, The big one at our house is the Millennium Falcon, which has 1,254 pieces. Now, like the the pinnacle of Star Wars Legos would be the Death Star, reflected in the price tag of $400, which we do not have, has 3,802 pieces. Now, how wise would it be to pick up this box that weighs 30 pounds with all of these multiple packs of Legos in there and instruction manuals that killed multiple trees to produce and say, I don't need this. I can do this on my own. I don't need this source of wisdom and knowledge that's actually going to make sense of all of this that will not make sense at all without it. That would be foolish, right? 
It makes no sense to do that. What Jesus does in giving us Himself and revealing Himself in the Word is saying, come to Me, learn from Me. Be My disciple. I am the one in whom all wisdom and knowledge is found and there's nowhere else you need to go. I am enough. There's nothing beyond Me. There's nothing outside of Me. I am enough. So He he calls us here to, to know His mystery by being encouraged in heart, united in love, and then also by pursuing this knowledge, the full assurance of it. But then thirdly and finally, to know God's mystery, we need to fight against being deluded. It's exactly what Paul says in verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. This is actually the very first time that he specifically mentions this false teaching. Uh, Again, details are fuzzy as to what it is. Here's the important thing, though. The important thing is that he says these are plausible arguments. In other words, there is a real temptation to be found here. There's a real temptation to look elsewhere. This is not some kind of obnoxious health and wealth, prosperity gospel, TV preaching kind of thing where you look at it and you can scoff at it and say, whatever, that's obviously not what the Bible teaches. What, What is happening here is that these arguments seem plausible. And that word that's translated, plausible arguments, could actually be translated as persuasive speech or fine-sounding arguments. In other words, there's there's something that seems plausible that's near near enough to our experience to actually delude us or deceive us, whatever the arguments actually were. And they could persuade us that Jesus is really not enough, that there's something more, that there's something outside of Him. So what might that look like for us? What might it look like to think that there's something more beyond Jesus? I think that some here, I know this, are really hurting this morning because your life is not going the way you hoped it would. And you are one maybe who is seeking Jesus and wanting to know Him, wanting to have Him make sense of your life. But right now, you're so overwhelmed with all the responsibilities on your plate that you don't know where to turn. There's not a clear-cut way to make wise decisions to say no to certain things and yes to others. And you are dying on the vine because of that. Moms, I know you feel that way. Others of you are struggling to find the job that you should have right now based on all the wise decisions you've made for the whole of your career all the training that you've put in, all the responsible decisions you've made, and for circumstances outside of your control, you don't have that job right now. You can't pay your mortgage. Others of you this morning have spent so much time and effort, glorious time and effort, seeking to raise your kids in a way that they would know and love Jesus. And all they want to do right now is turn their back on Him and you are at a loss as to what to do. Life does not make sense. What's happening in that moment? What's happening in that moment is that you have, you are seeing something that looks really plausible that says, maybe Jesus really isn't enough. Maybe this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Maybe God isn't who He said He really is. 
Maybe Jesus doesn't really know what He's doing right now. That's plausible. And the temptation is real. If that's you this morning, what you need to hear is that while you might not know, Jesus does know. And while it does feel like God might be holding out on you right now, you need to know there is nothing more that He can give to you than Jesus Himself. If this is you, you need to know that the one that you are called to trust is the one who has died for you. In the midst of of His crucifixion, what do you think the disciples thought? Do you think that they looked up and saw this man being crucified and thought, He knows what He's doing right now? Probably not. But of course, what happened three days later is that Jesus came through the other side. He was raised from the grave and He has now ascended into heaven and He reigns as King who is in control of your life and knows exactly what's going on with your life and is absolutely committed to doing you good. And He is giving Himself to you. Though we don't know, He does. He is the one in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found and He is the one we need to know. And the beautiful thing is that He offers Himself to us. He's the one alone who gives real life. There is nothing more. Everything you need is found in Him. And that's what He wants us to be assured of this morning. I want to close with a couple questions for you to think about. One is this. If you're here exploring Christianity, might be visiting, uh, might have gotten an invitation from a friend, I'd ask you to think about this question. Where are you looking for knowledge as to how life works best? Where is it that you're looking now for that? And as a follow-up to that, just ask the question honestly, is it working? Is it working? Because the claim of the Bible and claim of this passage is that there is no spiritual knowledge outside of Jesus. He alone can make sense of our lives. Secondly, um, for, for those of you who would identify as Christians, where are you particularly tempted to look for life and knowledge outside of Jesus? The way that you can answer that question is by filling in the blank. If I just had fill in the blank, then my life would make sense and I'd be happy and satisfied. Whatever it is in that blank is the thing that you are tempted to go towards and seek life outside of Jesus in. Think about that, reflect on that, and hear these words that regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum this morning, Jesus invites you to Himself where He has been fully revealed as the one in whom all wisdom, all spiritual knowledge is found. He is enough. Everything you need is in Him and in Him alone. There's nothing beyond Him. There's nothing outside of Him. Jesus is enough. Pray for us. Father, we confess that this is difficult to believe and we're tempted to look elsewhere outside of Your Son. And so we ask that You would help us this morning uh, to look to Him for life, that we would not be deceived into thinking that there is something more or something outside of Him, but that we would plumb the depths of this knowledge that is found in Him and in Him alone. We pray in His name. Amen.